Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 32, Forgiveness. Recorded Thursday, December 26th of 2013, with your hosts, Grant and Peter. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. And I'm Peter. And that's all you get tonight. Yeah, no Brandon tonight, unfortunately. <laughs> no mic, no guest host, just the two of us. Yeah, which has kind of been a while, actually, so... Yeah. Go figure. A couple of bits of business to attend to uh, before we kind of get into our topic. And I want to get into this topic quickly because there's a lot of this topic. Oh, boy, is there. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I want to thank everybody who donated to the fundraiser that we did for the Bodana Group and everyone who donated to the 2013 RPG Podcasters Charity Drive. You guys are awesome. I'm going to be probably doing a postmortem on the charity drive with the podcaster community. There's a few things that I want to change for next year. Like perhaps holding it in the summer? <laughs> yeah. We ran into a lot of competing charity drives that were equally awesome or maybe even more awesome. And I want the RPG Podcaster Charity Drive to be a special thing. It's kind of its own standout thing. That is not to say that Saving the Game is not also going to do a Christmas fundraiser drive for a worthy charity. Because we will. Yeah, but we may end up doing two. Oh no, yeah. how terrible. Yeah, a Christian podcast uh, supporting charity. That's actually almost redundant. I think we can get away with that. I would hope it's redundant, yeah. Yeah. Point number two here, we have kind of a cool announcement for you guys. If you are not familiar with Game Store Profits, they're another Christian geek podcast, not as RPG focused, kind of a, a general geekery sort of thing. They've recently had an episode on Doctor Who. They've spent some time talking about Hearthstone and other video games. They kind of hit on everything. They've recently launched a new portal for the geeky faith community, sort of like Game Church, but without the heavy focus on video games. It's inroadsministries.com. That's I-N-N roadsministries.com. They have a lot of really cool stuff out there, including Game Store Profits, a number of articles, they're doing videos, and like I said, they're trying to grow Inroads Ministries into sort of that geeky faith portal. And so Saving the Game is going to be partnering up with them. They're going to be syndicating Saving the Game through their site. Uh, we're still going to be hosted at savingthegamepodcast.org. None of the usual ways that you're going to get stuff is going to change. No, you're not going to have to change your RSS feed again. I am still sorry for the last time, but... I think the listeners probably forgive us, Grant. That sort of thing happens. I'm still getting people saying, oh, you guys are still around. Wow. You, I thought you dropped off the face of the earth because my feed didn't update. That's unfortunate, but it is unfortunate. what you're going to do. It's a thing. Anyway, so we're going to be adding to Inroads Ministries and helping them generate some content. It's more than just a syndication thing. We're really kind of wanting to partner up with them. If you go to our website, you'll see a link to them. Yeah, kind of along these lines, Grant and I, and um, we think probably the, the guys over at Inroads, too, are kind of trying to move things towards a potential point down the road a few years from now where a lot of these geeky faith websites, podcasts, that sort of thing, us, them, Game Church, perhaps even things like Extra Life Ministries and so forth, are a little more closely associated with each other. Or at least aware of each other, yeah. Yeah. Right now we're kind of all um, scattered around our own little corners of the internet. It would be nice if we could kind of get our communities at least aware of each other, because I think there's a lot of overlap there. 
there is a lot of overlap, and it's a bigger community than I think we know about, but it's it's very fragmented. Yeah. It'd be nice to be able to combine those and kind of be a bigger presence and get in touch with each other so that we can do things together. So we're going to be partnering with Inroads Ministries. Hopefully you're going to hear some other content come out of that, some other cool opportunities as we sort of explore that relationship. At some point, we're going to have Mike and Luke from Game Store Profits on Saving the Game. And I think we're actually even supposed to maybe do an episode of theirs with them, too, kind of like Fear the Boot and Happy Jacks did a while yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, we're going to hopefully trade back some, and forth some with Some kind them, of crossover that, thing, yeah. You know, we, when they come on here, we don't horribly embarrass them or something terrible. I don't expect that to happen as long as Peter keeps me under control. Then Grant keeps me under control. Let's be, uh, let's be honest about this. <laughs> All I have to do is keep you from filling up the show notes. Well, I do do that. Yeah, see? There we go. Anyway, <laughs> so keep an eye out for that. It's going to be cool. For those of you who use the Saving the Game Google Plus community, nothing's really going to change there. Again, we're hoping to find ways to sort of enlarge the community and connect these. So stuff may change down the road, but for right now, I don't think so. I think things are pretty good as it is. Yeah. So anyway. Also, Happy New Year, everybody. Yes, Happy New Year. We're recording this the day after Christmas, so Happy New Year to all of you, and we hope you had a good Christmas as well. And for those of you who don't celebrate Christmas... I hope you had a good day off of work. (laughs) Yes, at least enjoy your break. All right. Yeah. So our topic tonight is forgiveness. As you might imagine, there is a lot of scripture centering on forgiveness. And we're not going to touch even half of it tonight, but we are going to stuff a lot of it into this episode. That's right. So we've got four pieces of scripture to start us off. You will be hearing a lot more as the episode progresses. But, Peter, you wanted to start it off with Jonah. Yep. This is uh, Jonah 3.10 through 4.11. When God saw their deeds, that they had turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head, so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals? And our second verse of Scripture is Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, 
which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And the next one we have is one that most of you have heard. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And our last piece of scripture is Luke 15, verses 20 to 24. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. So... For tonight's episode, we have decided to tackle the central tenet of Christianity, the concept of forgiveness. Yep. Uh, This one's going to be uh, not terribly gaming-related. We're going to put some gaming content in, but mostly we kind of have to explain forgiveness, because as central as it is, I think it's in some ways one of the most difficult commandments and virtues to understand and to put into practice because there's a lot of social pressure to not forgive and to misunderstand what it is. Yeah, this is going to be probably one of our heavier episodes. So those of you who are coming off of the uh, the New Year's resolution episode, uh, there might be a little bit of tonal whiplash here. Sorry right. about that, but I think we need to cover this one. Yeah, we definitely do. So the first thing we really have to ask ourselves is what forgiveness is. There are a lot of different definitions of it. There are a lot of verses in the Bible, a lot of scripture related to it. It's a virtue that shows up in a great many systems of philosophy and ethics. But Christian forgiveness is its at once very simple and very stark and very difficult. Yeah, this is one of the best examples that's out there of just because something is simple to understand doesn't mean that it's easy to practice. Right. So at all. Those of you who have listened to the podcast for a bit know that I read a lot of C.S. Lewis and derive a lot of influence from him. So it may not surprise you that for the best possible explanation of forgiveness and why it's important and how it comes into our lives, I'm going to go to him. In Mere Christianity, uh, which is maybe his seminal theological work, Book 3, Chapter 7, I want to read eh, the first probably two pages or so. It's going to be a little bit of a read, and I apologize, but it's a good explanation of how forgiveness works and how to approach it and why it is, in fact, such a big deal. I said in a previous chapter that chastity was the most unpopular of the Christian virtues, but I am not sure I was right. I believe the one I have to talk of today is even more unpopular, the Christian rule, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Because in Christian morals, thy neighbor includes thy enemy, and so we come up against this terrible duty of forgiving our enemies. 
Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive, as we had during the war. Uh, Side note, C.S. Lewis wrote Mere Christianity shortly after World War II. And then, to mention the subject at all is to be greeted with howls of anger. It is not that people think this too high and difficult a virtue. It is that they think it hateful and contemptible. That sort of talk makes them sick, they say. And half of you already want to ask me, I wonder how you'd feel about forgiving the Gestapo if you were a Pole or a Jew. So do I. I wonder very much. Just as when Christianity tells me that I must not deny my religion even to save myself from death by torture, I wonder very much what I should do when it came to the point. I am not trying to tell you in this book what I could do. I can do precious little. I am telling you what Christianity is. I did not invent it. And there, right in the middle of it, I find, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. There is no slightest suggestion that we are offered forgiveness on any other terms. It is made perfectly clear that if we do not forgive, we shall not be forgiven. There are no two ways about it. What are we to do? It is going to be hard enough anyway, but I think there are two things we can do to make it easier. When you start mathematics, you do not begin with the calculus, you begin with simple addition. In the same way, if we really want, but all depends on really wanting, to learn how to forgive, perhaps we had better start with something easier than the Gestapo. One might start with forgiving one's husband or wife, or parents, or children, or the nearest non-commissioned officer for something they have done or said in the last week. That will probably keep us busy for the moment. And secondly, we might try to understand exactly what loving your neighbor as yourself means. I have to love him as I love myself. Well, how exactly do I love myself? Now, to skip ahead for a moment here. In my most clear-sighted moments, not only do I not think myself a nice man, but I know that I am a very nasty one. I can look at some of the things I have done with horror and loathing. So, apparently, I am allowed to loathe and hate some of the things my enemies do. Now that I come to think of it, I remember Christian teachers telling me long ago that I must hate a bad man's actions, but not hate the bad man, or, as they would say, hate the sin, but not the sinner. For a long time, I used to think this a silly, straw-splitting distinction. How could you hate what a man did and not hate the man? But years later, it occurred to me that there was one man to whom I had been doing this all my life, namely, myself. However much I might dislike my own cowardice or conceit or greed, I went on loving myself. There had never been the slightest difficulty about it. In fact, the very reason why I hated the things was that I loved the man. Just because I loved myself, I was sorry to find that I was the sort of man who did those things. Consequently, Christianity does not want us to reduce by one atom the hatred we feel for cruelty and treachery. We ought to hate them. Not one word of what we have said about them needs to be unsaid, but it does want us to hate them in the same way in which we hate things in ourselves, being sorry that the man should have done such things and hoping, if it is in any way possible, that somehow, sometime, somewhere, he may be cured and be made human again. So that's his take on it, and I think it lays out fairly clearly how we forgive others and why that's so important. Scripture is full of commandments from God that we forgive others, and it is equally full of promises that God forgives us. And it is almost as full of examples of God forgiving people. Yes. 
That was one of the reasons why I chose Jonah's. Pretty much that entire book of the Bible is God showing mercy to one person or group of people after another, after another, mm-hmm. after another. Yeah, up to an entire town of sinners. Yeah, and then poking Jonah when he didn't like it. Yeah, that moment of, well... No, no, you promised me calamity. That's what I came here for. I wanted a show. I wanted that dark, bitter schadenfreude of, ha, you got yours. Yeah. And God says, no. I wanted fire from heaven and pillars of salt and nothing has happened. We we wanted another Sodom, another Gomorrah. And instead you gave them forgiveness and repentance. Well, that's disappointing. Well, and it was funny that he was so unwilling to forgive them himself that he tried to avoid going, even though he was a prophet. Right. And let's be honest. How many times have you had that happen in your life? That moment of, oh, boy, here's something terrible. Oh, it, it wasn't as terrible as it first seemed like it was going to be. Well, that's that's a little disappointing. I wanted a show. I wanted a spectacle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely happened. But it happens. It's, it happens to all of us. Again, the... Scripture's full of these promises from God. Um, One of my favorites is Micah, uh, chapter 7, verses 18 through 19. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Yeah, it's it's very humbling to to read a lot of this because God is far more forgiving than any human will ever be able to be. And perhaps it's appropriate that we're doing this episode shortly after Christmas, which is the initiation of that promise of forgiveness and redemption and salvation, which ultimately culminates at Easter. Well, it was, I mean, it was Christmas that kind of put this in my head as a good topic idea good. for this week, so... I think it's a good choice. I do want to get back briefly to what forgiveness is. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's we've, okay. We've it's all right. moved off a little bit. It's all right. Well, it's, it's important, though, because it's important to draw a parallel between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of our neighbors. Because when we are commanded to forgive people, that is not necessarily the same as being commanded to ignore all the evil they have done. In fact, in a way, we're commanded to take note of it and help our neighbors overcome it, and likewise to help ourselves overcome it. I'm using neighbor here in the sense of the people that we interact with. Uh, I think it's more important to aim our forgiveness at our neighbors and work to forgive them than to focus on forgiving vague people that we only know as a group through the news or something that's never touched our lives. Yeah, I mean, it may be, you know, to use kind of a a modern American example, and this actually parallels a bit with what C.S. Lewis was saying, it's going to be hard to forgive Al-Qaeda for 9-11, even, you know, 12 years on. Right. But really, I think it's much more important that I be able to forgive my coworker who does something that annoys me, or, you know... Your wife, your gaming group. Yeah. The people... There's a a delightful sociology term that I've learned, thanks to Cracked, of all places. Monkey sphere. It's the 400 or so people that we can mentally keep track of as part of us, right? Kind of the, the people that we feel we're connected to in any way. That's about kind of the limit of what the human mind can hold as people we have any sort of emotional connection to. Focus on them first, (laughs) because they're the people who, and this is not to say that you shouldn't forgive the people who are outside that monkey sphere, 
which is a wonderful word. And I'm going to say that as often as I can. It's just a fun word to say. <laughs> Monkey, Monkey sphere. sphere. See, it's great fun. Yes. It's such a wonderful but term. They're the people who your forgiveness will have the most immediate impact on. Uh, and it, honestly, it's going to be a constant battle to keep forgiving them and have them keep forgiving you for your sins. You know who else it's going to be really hard, at least for me personally, to stay on top of this with? Hmm. Anonymous people who I don't know who do something that bothers, inconveniences, or offends me. Oh, yeah. Just randomly out in the world. The the jerk driver that cuts me off in traffic. The person, you know, six people ahead of me in line that's um, paying with coupons and treating the cashier with scorn and contempt, yeah. which is a hot button thing for me because I'm a longtime retail employee. The Yeah. You, you know, know what does it for me? The people who leave uh, shopping carts loose in the parking lot. You have never ah, yes. seen me so angry as when I have the been cleaning cart up shopping makers. carts. Yeah, the, the people who just, you know, like, yeah, I've left this cart across three parking spaces. Don't even ask me how I did it. Uh, and it's an incredibly stupid thing. But you know what? I shouldn't. No. So anyway, what I wanted to point out was the parallel between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of our neighbors. We shouldn't ignore sins and wrongs and errors. God certainly doesn't ignore them, but rather he wants us to improve past the point where we make those errors. We'll slip and fall. Uh, you know, we are children of God, and like children, we make mistakes. Hopefully, we learn from them. Hopefully, we don't make such serious mistakes that other people are hurt by them. It's, it's better to try not to make those mistakes at all, to avoid sin. But we are forgiven those sins because God loves us, Despite those, God wants us to be someone better than that, and that love is a forgiving love. And God wants us to have the same love for the people that we interact with, with the people we share this brief time on earth with. And not only is it commanded of us, but to get into, I guess, a little bit more of just the pure human interaction— mm -hmm. Being forgiven makes it, er, being forgiving, sorry, makes it far easier to maintain relationships than hanging on to bitterness and resentment over wrongs done to right. us. Yeah, it, it's all one piece of building a, you know, a community of the faithful. Or just a community, really. I mean, this is part of what Christ refers to when he talks about establishing the kingdom of God on earth. Right. Is forgiveness is a major part of that. I, I think maybe we've defined forgiveness fairly well and made a case for it, so should we get a little more practical here? Yeah, let's let's get a little more practical. All right, so since we are still a gaming podcast, do you want to handle in-game or out-of-game at the table first? Let's do in-game first, because I think that forgiveness comes up quite a lot in-game, and it's something I don't think a lot of gaming tables handle well. Well, I think a lot of them don't handle it at all. I mean, the, yeah. the vengeance story is one of the archetypical motivations for player characters a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, it is. I, the, the refusal to re-give, or re-give, forgive, is often kind of a, a major part of a player character's backstory. Right. It's, there's the catharsis of, haha, I finally got back at you, that appeals to our darker fallen selves it's why you see it so often in really in media everywhere it's why the idea of forgiving people who have wronged us is so anathema yeah it's so foreign that it's almost never even considered and in game i think that shows up quite a lot you know as you said hey here's the bad guy who 
started me on my quest. My quest is to defeat him. Well, I'm going to defeat him. Now, every once in a while, you hear of a game that ends with, you know, hey, I've beaten him and now I forgive him, you know, or at least I let him live. But a lot of times that's, haha, you know, I've beaten you. Now I get mine. Yeah. I don't have to kill you for it or, you know, throw you in prison, but you know, I've won where that's not really forgiveness. At least most of the time it isn't. Yeah, it certainly would be interesting to start a character out with kind of a a vengeful long-term character goal. And by the time they get to the person, it's a Jean Valjean kind of a thing. The person is completely reformed. Doing anything bad to this person would be a terrible action on the part of the player character. And it's like, okay, now what? Well, or, you know, I think it would be interesting if they weren't reformed, but showed maybe some promise that they could be reformed. Yeah, that could also be interesting. I think in some ways it's a cop-out on the the storytelling side to hunt for someone and then discover, oh, they're not the person I was hunting anymore. What if it is the person? I'm not sure that's a cop-out. It's just a different possible well, it's a, story. Okay, it's a different possible story. But it's it's maybe not as interesting, or at least not as difficult. Yeah, I, I think I'll definitely give you challenging. It's It's challenging to say, hey, here is... This guy, he is still the same horrible person who you were hunting. Forgive him and help him get past that, get over it, become a better person. Hate his sins, but don't hate the sinner who has wronged you so and turn them into someone better. You're not an anime person, are you? No, I'm not. (laughs) Okay. I've watched a couple of things here and there, but not a major fan. Spoiler warning here. Fast forward for about a minute if you have not seen Trigun. Actually, that's one of the few that I have seen, so... Okay. Yeah, so fast forward like one minute if you haven't seen Trigun. Um, the, the last episode of Trigun, you know, Vash hunts down his brother who has caused him enormous pain, and not just him personally, but he is the reason that this entire planet full of people is on a desert wasteland instead of the planet they were looking for. They get into a, you know, a big fight, but Vash is specifically not trying to kill his brother. He's trying to catch him so that he can save him. And that's one of the reasons I've always liked Vash as a character, not just, you know, Oh, Hey, awesome gunslinger dude. But also he genuinely wanted his opponents to be better people than they were. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about it, but that's a near-perfect example. It really is. Uh, And there's a reason I keep watching Trigon, you know, once every couple of years. I got Chrissy to watch with him. It was awesome. Now you're going to make me watch it again. (laughs) See? It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix streaming. (laughs) I saw it the other day. That kind of gets also into the redemption story thing. Maybe the bad guy in question is your character or a character that you're close to who isn't the antagonist, but someone who you want to see become a better person. You were kind of planning on playing with that a little bit in the uh, Lantern Knights game that we had for a very short period of time. Your character had a sibling who was kind of a ne'er-do-well. and Yeah, he was. He was kind of the, the thief with a heart of gold sort of character. Very, very trope-laden. Yeah, well, tropes are tools. Yeah, it, it was a tool. I wanted him to have that, that sort of story. And I wanted, I did want him to sort of be someone that the whole party could help guide into being a better person still having those thief skills but not using them just to line his pockets someone who could make things happen and grow as a person so there's redemption stories 
They don't have to be limited to your character. We've talked about these plenty of times. I do think it would be interesting to come across a repentant former bad guy. And, well, do you forgive him for those sins? Or do you say, well, you know what? You did these and you need to pay for them. And paying for them may still involve some form of justice or reparation or work to reduce the harm that those sins and crimes have caused. But do you still treat that person as a sinner or do you say, hey, he's repented and he's working to well, make that it makes better? A, that brings up an interesting point because forgiveness isn't completely, at least on a human level, isn't completely erasing all memory of the wrong deed, along with all consequences. and Well, even on a spiritual level, mere time does not cancel sin. No, it certainly does not. But the reason why I qualified that down to mortal instead of all forgiveness is God is able to forgive us a little bit more completely, and being all-powerful, he has the ability to kind of take away some of the eternal consequences of what we have done, which we cannot do on a human level. It's just beyond our means. Right. So there will be times where, like, somebody has done something horrible that has wronged you, and I've heard plenty of anecdotes and sermons, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, and the victim forgives the perpetrator. But that person still has to face the legal consequences of what they've done because there's more at stake from society's perspective than just one bit of wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. um, in order for the society to be lawful and for people to know how that they should behave on a societal level, because, you know, modern societies are made up of people of all different ideological bents, enforcing that common ground of basic human decency requires that there be consequences, whether that's fines, prison time, whatever. But by the same token, the person who is wronged gives up their right to continue to hate that person, to wish them ill, to want the worst for them as part of the forgiving process. Yeah. Uh, to quote C.S. Lewis again from the same chapter that I read earlier, remember, we Christians think man lives forever. Therefore, what really matters is those little marks or twists on the central inside part of the soul, which are going to turn it in the long run into a heavenly or a hellish creature. We may kill if necessary, but we must not hate and enjoy hating. We may punish if necessary, but we must not enjoy it. In other words, something inside us, the feeling of resentment, the feeling that wants to get one's own back must be simply killed. Yeah. Um, and it's not something... I think that you can do like as a one-time thing and no, let it go. No, I think it's a process. It's something, <laughs> well, it's more than a process. It's a, it's an ongoing commitment. It's an ongoing struggle. It's why or one of the reasons forgiveness is a virtue is that it is something that takes a lifelong dedication to be able to implement it's something I think true of all the major Christian virtues. Absolutely. Or at least I know it is for me. <laughs> Other in-game uses of forgiveness, we've kind of touched on this, bad guys who still have some ethics. The example that I was thinking of when I put this in the outline, and we can break this out a little bit more, is a mobster who catches some innocent people in a job, you know, a bank robbery or, you know, a drive-by mm -hmm. against a rival gang, and feels bad about that and tries to make amends to the innocents. And it's like, well, how do you handle that? Because the guy still did something really awful. And he was in the middle of doing something bad when the unintended bad thing happened. Does that make any difference? Does that matter? Does that mitigate? Does that exacerbate? You know, it's... Right. Brandon would kill us if we didn't mention uh, Johnny Marcone, who's a perfect example of this from the Dresden Files. 
we can very generally say that making forgiveness difficult and yet important in a game is a good way to use yeah. it. Yeah. Right. And that's a that's a good example. It's going to be difficult to forgive this guy, but it's important to do so. There's an interesting one that you brought up, which is the idea of a pardon. Here's somebody who has been pardoned for their crimes in a legal sense, but maybe not by the victims. Yeah, that's maybe he hasn't felt repentance and somebody finagled a pardon for him you know he's got legal connections or you know he bribed a a judge or has some blackmail something or yeah it's and got out that way and he's pardoned but is he ready to be forgiven is he ready to accept you know hey this was wrong this is a sin and i need to seek forgiveness for it is that something that the party can do or your character can do if or to flip it around, here's someone who has really understood the gravity of their sin or crime. Now the party needs to arrange for a pardon for him. Yeah, the person is fully penitent. They're doing everything they can to fix things. They'll be more able to fix things if they're not in a dungeon someplace. Now convince the king of this. Right. And, you know, maybe the, the victim isn't, you know, the, the actual victim isn't ready to forgive them. They're still Or they're unable to, to. They may be dead. Well, yeah, yeah, but I think it'd be more interesting if they weren't, and you had to talk to the victim or victims first and help them understand and help them forgive this guy, and then go to whatever authorities are in your game and get that pardon for him. So one of the other things that we can play with a little bit in storytelling, and this actually, this is a good way of uh, illustrating villainy, is lip service to forgiveness that isn't actually genuine. Kind of the archetypical example of this is Darth Vader saying apology accepted as the guy like dies from the force choke on the floor. Right. As it happens like every time in Empire Strikes yeah. Back. Yeah. Or it's it's a very common one for a villain to, you know, say, Oh sure, sure, I accept your apology. Waha, now you're dead. You know, you're yeah. punished for it. That gleeful Yanking of the rug. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good way to illustrate hey this guy is a really horrible person just yeah, saying that's a that's a special kind of cruelty yeah it's a very cruel thing that's the that's the word i'm looking for it's a good contrast i think if you're running a, a morality heavy game to present that and then also present some sort of sincere forgiveness almost side by side to really kind of contrast black and white and hey you know here's something terrible and here's something good and they're using the same words, but you can clearly see what the you know real what the, difference uh, is. The example that I really like of the sincere forgiveness in a fictional work that wasn't even sought out by the perpetrator at first mm-hmm. is I'm going to go back to Les Mis again. That scene with Jean Valjean and the bishop where he robs him, punches him out. The guards catch him, drag him back. And the bishop's like, why didn't you take the candlesticks? I gave those to you. Yeah. And he's just standing there gobsmacked and... He sends the soldiers off with the nun from the abbey so that he can talk to Valjean privately. And he's like, all right, look, you're no longer a creature of darkness. I have just bought you back. No, it's it's a good moment. And I think Hugo really captured a, a perfect moment of forgiveness yeah. in Les Mis there. Kind of on the same side of things, penitence, which is penitence is a complicated topic related to forgiveness and one that i'm not as familiar with so i well why don't we swap in remorse instead of penitence well no penitence is is its own thing 
I'm just saying it's a topic I really can't speak to. I think in many ways it's something you have to do for yourself to help you forgive yourself for those sins. Yeah, but I mean, we can certainly define it, right? I can't. Uh, well, well, the I'm, definition I'm, that I was using here is may, perhaps maybe I should have used repentance then. Somebody who genuinely regrets the wrong that they have done and is seeking forgiveness as opposed to somebody who is pretending to for personal gain. Okay, I'll buy that. I mean, the, the little kid saying sorry to their, you know, yes. their classmate <laughs> or their sibling after they've broken their toy and they're not actually sorry at all. Right. But, you know, for the, the tired teacher who just wants things to kind of look right and get back to teaching, it's good enough. Or the parent that's been dealing with this all day. I can tell you, it's been a long day. I'll, I'll take what I can get some days. So trying to figure out whether someone's repentance is sincere or insincere and playing around with the appearance of insincerity and the appearance of sincerity and making players work to understand someone is something really good that you can pull into a game. Yeah, and that's, that brings up an interesting point, because there are some people out there, especially really cynical, jaded ones, that might actually feel bad about something, but have a really hard time seeing genuine when they say anything, even something that they're truly invested in. I'm not even going to say that it's cynical people. I think there are just some poor, unfortunate people who never come across as... Sincere about really anything? Sincere. Yeah, it's just... it. The tone of voice isn't quite right. The little physical cues just aren't quite right. And they never come across as honest when they say, you know, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to do that. Or you know, forgive me. And likewise, there are people who are just gifted liars who can say, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really sorry. It won't happen again. And then happens again. Well, and some of that is just simple human fallenness, too. People can mean it, it at is. the time and fall back into a bad habit or something. Oh, yeah. And... Maybe somebody who started off repenting their, their sin and then talked themselves out of it or vice versa. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, sorry. Um, and then eventually they, they grow to understand it. You you can play around with kind of the whole spectrum and, and the journey back and forth between those. It's good characterization fodder, I would say. I don't know that there's a huge story opportunity in there but it's a good way to illustrate someone's character and change yeah, and a character over be, time that can be good enough in a lot of cases i mean yeah giving characters more texture and depth mm -hmm. is a good way to enhance a story and make it seem more believable so i think you can kind of come around to it from there you just have to take the longer road yeah should we briefly hit on some out of game applications here? I mean, most of this is probably going to be fairly self explanatory, but. Uh, you, well, this is probably not going to be brief either. There are a lot of opportunities for forgiveness at the gaming table. <laughs> there are a lot. I think, first and foremost, and this is one of those things where it shouldn't become an out of game thing, but it does. The little setbacks and the little arguments and the little decisions that don't go your way inside the game. You're done in character within the context of the game. A lot of times it's very easy to project that onto the player, or maybe it comes from the player and not the character and you resent it. And this can be really petty stuff too. They waved off your brilliant tactical plan and went with the South entrance instead of the North one. Yeah. Or you know what guys, I really wanted to go left. I thought left seemed cooler. And it doesn't always have to be petty stuff, but it so often is. Yeah. I've done it. I certainly have. 
yeah, I've left the gaming table before and driven back bitter and angry because of incredibly stupid little things. Well, and I think the thing that's important to remember there is nothing that happens in game is anything but fictional. Well, yeah, but of course you're projecting it onto the players. Oh, absolutely. You're not angry at the characters. You're angry at the GM. You're angry at the guy to your left at the table, the guy you're carpooling home with, whatever. And let it go. Forgive and just let it slide. It's often not even sins. It's little happenstance things where things didn't go your way. And really, that anger is something you should be seeking forgiveness for, not something you should be forgiving them for causing. Sometimes you may have to convince yourself that you're doing one before you can get to the place where you need to be doing the other. Yes, very true. Again, as we said at the start of the episode, it's not an easy thing to forgive. And sometimes... It's a question of who we're trying to seek forgiveness for. Very often it's us instead of other people. Yeah. But make that happen. It, it's important. We've talked before about lines and veils. We have, in fact, even dedicated an entire episode to it. Yeah. When somebody violates one of those lines or veils, when a topic that you're really uncomfortable with comes up, it's hard, but you got to forgive them for it. Whether it's accidental or purposeful, as we said before, there's no, well, you forgive them except if they meant to do it. We're commanded to forgive, (laughs) and it's hard, but... It's shockingly free of qualifiers. Yeah, and that's not to say that you shouldn't tell them, hey, this really bothered me, and taking steps to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Up to and including removing yourself from a toxic environment. Forgiveness does not mean that you have to stick around for more abuse. You can leave. That's allowed. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, make it clear that you're not holding it against them, that you are forgiving them for it, however hard that is. Again, this is where a lot of you are probably going, really? But I don't know that I could forgive someone who did X. And... I've thought that, and it's something we're commanded to do, as hard as it is. Well, and this goes back to something that I heard that, much like Grant references C.S. Lewis a lot, I reference Adam Hamilton a lot. And I remember in one of his sermons, he was talking about somebody who had wronged him pretty terribly, and he didn't go into specifics, which I imagine whatever it was was pretty bad. And he said that it took him, I think, over a year of constantly, you know, praying and he said he was praying through gritted teeth for probably the first six months he would be like lord please help me to forgive this person for the terrible awful thing that they did to me which i am still angry about and you know it's like he had to work up to it he had to constantly ask for help from god and i i think forgiveness only came truly naturally to to christ yeah the rest of us have to put some effort into it Sure, and that's why Christ commanded us, uh, Matthew 5.44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's a good thing to do, is you know, pray for the people who you have trouble forgiving. It, it's a way to learn to love them. A- again, as you love yourself, you pray for the forgiveness of your own sins. Pray for them. Pray for the people who have wronged you, and in talking with God, God about them, learn to love them that way. Massively difficult, though, that may be. (laughs) Yeah, again, not an easy thing. A few other kind of gaming group-specific things, the normal gaming faux pas, 
lateness or not telling someone, hey, I'm not coming, hogging the spotlight, cheating when they're rolling dice. How did you roll a 12 on a D6? And we're not playing Savage Worlds. Yeah. Deal with the problem, but forgive the person who is creating those problems because that will make the goal is to make them better people, not cut them off and make them feel terrible. Well, and this is this is something I'm going to throw myself under the proverbial bus here a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you observe somebody doing something wrong, don't automatically make them capable of genocide in your mind, because most people are not that bad. Hanlon was right. I think he was more right than he himself knew, actually. I think I've referenced Hanlon's razor on the podcast before, but it's it boils down to don't attribute to malice what stupidity can explain. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would break that out to don't attribute to malice what stupidity, a bad day, obliviousness, misunderstanding. People very seldom truly act out of spite. And a lot of the time when they do, they feel like they're backed into a corner and it's a fear response. Oh, yeah. I've got gaming horror stories that I still am working hard to forgive people for because, you know, just terrible things happened in the game and people were terrible players or GMs or whatever. And it's hard, but time helps because you've had more time to work on that and think about it. But even then, you know, I still get angry thinking about some of this stuff. And that's just stuff that happened in a tabletop role playing game. Forget things that happened years ago to me personally. Yeah. One thing I did want to touch on specifically is kind of more serious sins and errors by people in your gaming group and really people in in the monkey sphere, as it were. Yeah. And I don't mean here, you know, fudging dice. I mean, somebody did something terrible and now they're going to jail or somebody really hurt their girlfriend or spouse and you know they've had a huge fight and they said things that are really hard to forgive it's hard to do but forgiving them and helping them overcome those problems and fixing those problems rather than con condemning them aside from the necessity of that in a spiritual sense it will help them become part of kind of the fellowship that you are fostering as a christian and, you know, even within your gaming group, helping them overcome these serious problems and keeping them in the gaming group. It's a way out. It's a way to keep their head above water, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I mean, this is, again, one of those times where you have to exercise some discernment. I mean, if, if the thing that the person has done has made them dangerous to be around, you may have to remove yourself or them from that situation. But yeah, bring in someone who can deal with that. Yeah. You know, whether that's a pastor, a police officer, a, uh, a therapist, you <laughs> a know, parent, you know, a parent, you know, whatever, whatever the appropriate person is. But yeah. Well, I think we've actually made it through this one, Grant. I think so, too. If we, it sounds like we're kind of hitting the same theme over and over again, we are on yeah. purpose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Very intentionally because scripture does. Yeah, exactly. I we I think maybe used half of the scripture references that we came up with. Yeah, I mean, this. we didn't even get into vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, we're not supposed to seek vengeance on our own, and Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, which is Christ right. forgiving the people who are crucifying him right then. Yeah, uh, Leviticus 9.18, which is, you shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's the, the verse that Christ was referencing in uh, Matthew 22. Yeah. 
You actually left off the I am the Lord at the end of that. Like, listen to this. This is important. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yes. Seriously, you can just do a Google search, you know, Bible verses, forgiveness, and you'll get pages and pages of them. Yeah. And they're all accurate. And they're <laughs> all pointing to one of the central themes of Christian scripture, that we are forgiven through Christ. So take some time to do that. We were talking in the um, the bonus episode that we released last time about starting up an online Bible study. Yeah. It's one of those things that I think we could spend a lot of time on in that yeah, Bible study. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we could. And probably should, actually. Very much so. Look at the links to the scripture that we put in the show notes, and don't be afraid to find you know a good biblical concordance or just do a Google search for scripture on that heck if you're you know if you're fortunate enough to know a good pastor and be able to you know get their ear for a while talk to them about it i'm sure they will be more than happy to go into even greater depth than we have yeah so bit of a heavier episode not as much gaming content perhaps but i think as we said before it's it's something that we needed to talk about this is this is just as important i think for a christian gaming podcast to cover as our RPGs evil and lines and veils. I think this is one of yeah. the things that we needed to hit. So I, I agree. I do want to encourage you all to check out our saving the game, Google plus community. If you are interested in talking about this episode or other episodes or other topics uh, related to it, uh, just go to our website, saving the game There's a link to the community there in the sidebar Just scroll down a little and you'll see preview community. Just click that. Also, do check out Inroads Ministries. That's I-N-N RoadsMinistries.com. There's a link to them on our website now. Read through their articles, listen to their episodes. We're going to be doing a fair bit with them, and I'm I'm excited about that relationship. I think a lot's going to a lot of good is yeah. going to come out of that. Yeah, same here. And from all of us at Saving the Game, present or not, I uh, want to wish you guys a, a good year and a good evening. Absolutely. Good night, everybody. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.